Welcome to the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, where our gang of sci-fi fans will boldly go where few fans have gone before. Okay, not really, but we'll have fun discussing and interacting with our favorite shows and films from all over the sci-fi universe. We love Trek the most, but our love for Trek means we have a great appreciation for sci-fi in general. Join our panel of sci-fi fans from all over North America and beyond as we share our opinions and thoughts on this deep and incredibly diverse genre of storytelling. Our mission here at the Big Sci-Fi Podcast is to entertain and have fun, so you'll hear all types of views in a light and fun atmosphere. If you love sci-fi, this is the perfect space station for you to dock at. We invite you to come aboard and stay a while. You've got friends right here on the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. Welcome back to the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. I'm Adina Mignona, and I'm here with my fellow partners in sci-fi fandom. This is Steve Merkin, retired member of the jewelry industry and a happy volunteer at Children's Hospital Los Angeles. And I'm Christian Fox, and I do a podcast called Yelling About Star Trek, and I mediate conflicts during the day. And I'm Brian Donahue. I'm a church planner, pastor, and a musician and author. And like I said, I'm Adina Mignona, science fiction author and engineer and, and stuff. And stuff. And so before we get into, <laughs> yeah, I just want to say stuff right now. Okay. I got stuff too. I got a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's about to be gardening season here. Or in fact, I think I'm like the last one in my neighborhood to have cleared out my garden from last year. So yeah, there's stuff. Yeah, our, it's been too cold. Fun. Our Bring yard fun. here in Ohio, because we still get keep getting snow and rain, is just a mess. So we we need to we don't get to do anything until late May sometimes until everything mm. firms up again and dries out enough to mow and get out there do, doing stuff like that. So good for you, Adina. Well, there's a lot of like cold weather vegetables that I know my neighbors, some of my gardening neighbors have already planted, and I'm I'm just behind the curve. Uh. But and it hailed this weekend. Oh we had hail. Did oh, you guys wow. have hail no, in Ohio? Uh, nope. Because so we're in Maryland and we had hail. And then a couple hours after I was talking to my mom, who's up on Long Island, and they had hail about the same time we oh, did. Goodness. So it was obviously like a big up and down the East Coast thing, kind of. Huh. I guess you're you're a little we're a little more inland. further west. Yeah. 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 We we do get hail though. We do get hail. I haven't seen that kind of hail in a long, long time here. Well, okay. Besides the hail, how's everyone's <laughs> week been? <laughs> it's been good. Well, I, you know, the thing I feel bad right now is this is a podcast, but not a vodcast. Because <laughs> if it was a vodcast, then I could be sharing with everything that I decided. I haven't done this for a long time. I took out my Enterprise wow. drone. Very cool. And went for a flight with it. Look at that. And I realized I got this as a gift from my daughter and son-in-law Christmas of 2020. And I, when I got it, my face was, <laughs> you know, I couldn't believe it. it was really a big surprise. But I've learned, I remind myself two things. Number one, the dilithium crystals that it has are really, they suck. <laughs> it has no powers. It will not, it doesn't last that long. And uh, I am not a Starship pilot. <laughs> I would be a Starship crasher. But not a pilot. Oh, like, yeah, same. And and people should. And the other thing, oh, I was gonna say uh -huh. people should know since they didn't see it that that was the 
Enterprise NCC 1701. Is that the A, I think? A. A. Oh, it is A. 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 Oh, wow. I was going to just do the line. Like, yeah, no bloody A's. Look up in the cell. It has the A's. Yes. But it is yeah. A. You just threw me for a loop on that one. And it's uh-huh, funny it's because Scotty was so proud of that chip. Yes. That Zahiri rated in TNG was like, what? But I, yeah. I get it. Yeah. But it wasn't his first. He, you know, he also yeah. launched into the whole bit about, you know, it, the Enterprise, the, the 1701 was his first, the, the first one he was a chief mm-hmm. engineer. Mm-hmm. You never forget your first. Right. So yeah. You can be proud of the later ones, but yeah. yeah. If that was only true with cars, Chevy Corsica would be my first. And <laughs> I oh, have zero. Oh. I don't really think about that very often. I drive a Subaru. And I love it. And I, as I, as I've said before in my podcast, that when I first got my Subaru, I felt like Captain Picard rolling in with the Enterprise E, and oh. I still sometimes imagine What's, that. What Subaru? The Subaru Impreza from 2018. The day I got it was the day they announced Picard was coming back, and I'm like, <laughs> what a cool day! It's perfect. My, I, I, I have a 2011 Subaru WRX. I don't think I know that one. And I have personalized plates that relate to the Dodgers because it's Dodger blue. But afterwards, I thought really what I should have gotten were plates that said warp five speed because it does have a manual transmission. Oh, that's pretty cool. I'd support that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so what else has everyone been up to this week? I've been deep into trek with uh obsessing over picard and wondering what's going to happen with the next episode and then i've been reading or rather listening to the coda books which is their way of trying to rectify the canon from the trek universe to the new trek and that's been amazing losing a lot of sleep over that i need to someone to i talk about any process what's (laughs) happening with it it's amazing Okay, we'll put it on the list. We'll put it on the list. Um, but yeah, that's been it. And then just uh, dealing with work stuff and editing some YouTube videos. That's been mostly it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, well, I've been just got back from a spring break vacation with my family from Florida. And we went to Cocoa Beach for a day. We stayed in Orlando, but we just basically hung out, chilled, rested, uh, let the kids play in the pool to their heart's delight there at our little condo. And we went to Kennedy Space Center, which was fantastic. Uh, uh, and just had a great time there. It's so inspiring. It made me want to watch more science fiction too. And I got to say, mm-hmm. uh, science fiction and Star Trek is, is particular represented well there because science fiction and, and, and like I say, in particular, Star Trek, um, there's some Buck Rogers in there too, though. Oh yeah. Um, and things like to that nature where many of the astronauts were inspired as they watched the adventures of, Captain Kirk and Spock and Dr. McCoy and all that. And then even into the next generation, the newer, you know, the more recent astronauts, younger folks, um, uh, same thing. Star Trek inspired them and got them dreaming. And of course, they did the hard work becoming astronauts. But um, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool to see some Star Trek faces on videos as these guys were talking about them. Yeah. Well, it's very interesting that you said that because. In the control room, there are a number of mission plaques or mission, ba- uh, and and they were designed by Mike Okuda of Star Trek fame. Mm-hmm. And if you uh, look at the patch for the uh, M- Enterprise crew from the the NX01, the 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 uh, the stars on the patch represent the lost lives mm. 
from oh, the shuttle yeah. mission. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that's really and cool. from also yeah from Apollo yeah. One. So there is a definite major tie-in between that. That's really cool. See, there is something really cool too, um, where you they have the original control Mercury control room, mm-hmm. all the consoles, everything, and they have it set up that you can go in and see it right there. And then they have another one for the Apollo missions. And it's the actual control room stuff. Mm-hmm. And they have a wonderful presentation where you actually get to see a, an audio and video reenactment of Apollo 11 going up. And you see wow. consoles light up, which represent each individual controller, you know. And then, it's, oh, and my, of course, my five-year-old son, Brody Tiberius, who's named after James T. Kirk, by the way, um, was counting down from 10 and, you know, all excited. And they even have the windows behind you rattling as it's mimicking the shuttlecraft's wow. blast going off. And it was quite the experience because um, we weren't expecting it. We'd never been there. We never heard anything about what to expect. It was just you got to get to Kennedy Space Center. If, if you're if you love that stuff, um, you could spend all day there. Literally, you just, they they actually recommend two or three days if you're going to read stuff and really take your time to walk through everything. But um, it's fantastic. So that's amazing. And and if you're in another part of the country uh, where you you know, and it's not not reasonable or practical to get to Kennedy, there are several other NASA centers. Every NASA center has a visitor center, and they all do interesting things. So if you're in Houston, if you're in near Greenbelt, Maryland, if you're near Ames, you know, there's a whole 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 wide mm. array. And then there are a couple of the other shuttles are at different places in the country. Like again, here near DC, we have the Enterprise. Uh, Steve, you guys have Endeavor, right? We have Endeavor. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the Enterprise is in New York. No, we have Enterprise. Uh, you have Enterprise? Yeah, we have it at Uvarhazy. Then what's in New York? The Discovery. Discovery's in New York? Okay. I think. Oh, gosh. Right. It, this will be very embarrassing yeah. if I'm getting this we're wrong. Looking, we're <laughs> looking it up as we speak. Yep. Can you press any of the buttons? Is there any of the centers where you can like actually press buttons? That's a great question because it was one of the coolest things for my kids. Uh, part of this thing, they do have things you can sit in that are mock shuttle, shuttle cockpits. So, oh, and they do have some buttons, amazing. this big joystick and everything. And then there was a whole section, which was, I wish, which is where I wish I could have hung out more. Um, but there's these little circular hubs or nooks. And above each one has a phrase like passion, courage, bravery, something, stuff like that. And so you walk in and there's video screen and relics or collectibles like like they have Jim Lovell's Boy Scout sash and his Boy Scout manual you can see um, and videos. And then all through that are panels of the switches that you can switch up and down and, you know, um, it's great fun. So you could uh. spend all day just in that room putting going through each one of those things. And there's probably 20 of them and just. You know, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that in 1993 when I took my family to Walt Disney World and then we went up to the Kennedy Space Center. Uh, it was very static. So they have done tremendous things in the last 30 years. They've got they've got two of the uh, bigger Mars vehicles, mock uh, duplicates of what's actually on Mars, which are big as cars. 
Um, mm -hmm. And so you get to see those, what those look like. I had no idea they were so huge. Mm -hmm. That's usually people's first yeah. reaction. Right? <laughs> it's just, yeah. just amazing stuff um, and all sorts mm -hmm. of stuff for kids to touch and interact with and adults too. Um, so, yeah. Before I forget, so yes, yeah, Steve, you were right. I got it backwards. Enterprise is in New York at the Intrepid, and then Discovery is down here uh, near DC mm -hmm. at the Udvar Hazy. Okay. Yep. And you okay. also have the 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 other Enterprise in New York too that I always hear about. In what is it, Tyke uh, Rhonda? What is it called? There's a place outside of New York where you can go to the enter like uh, the Star Trek Enterprise original series bridge. Oh, Ticonderoga, New York. Yes, yes. where they yep. have all the sets. Yes. Yes, there's always postings online by uh, the Okudas and and Doug Drexler, and you'll see yeah. even William Shatner. He'll he'll go there and show up, and people will be like, ah, uh, it's I, Captain Kirk, and he'll be meeting them on the on the, uh, the deck of the Enterprise. Yeah, I gotta yeah. get there. Mm -hmm. And yes, I know it's the Constitution yeah. class. I just so everybody knows, I know. I see Vic uh, Magogna. Um, <laughs> how do you say his name? Well, okay, he pronounces it Mignana. Mignana. But that the the Mignonas that I come from, it's it's different, and I maintain that ours is right because I'm in I've been in touch with um, cousins, distant cousins in Italy, oh, cool. and it's Mignona. So yeah, I get asked that all the time. Like, are you related? And distant, distant, distant cousins, as in all the Mignonas are from this one town in Italy. So there's got to be a relation, but it's at least several, you know, so we have at least in. back. Great, well, great. They, or they, no, <laughs> they did. Vic played Captain Kirk and directed and put to get produced yeah. that Star Trek continue series, which if you have never watched and you're a Star Trek it's, fan, it's, it's incredible. It's absolutely mm -hmm. amazing. They, they were only able mm -hmm. to do, I think, 11 episodes because um, and all kinds of politics and stuff with with that and copyrights and stuff like that. But they're phenomenal. And he is giving tours of all their sets. You can pay to go through. I assume oh, people are really paying cool. for it. Mm. And he's actually walking through them with people. And I just want to, he has the perfect Kirk walk. I don't know how he does it, but he has like the lean. There's a slight lean that Kirk has when he's walking and it's perfect. It is just the most surreal thing. It really does feel like once you get past the, it's not that it's cheesy, but once you get past the surrealness, it feels like you're watching an original series episode. Mm -hmm. So well yeah. done. I can't yeah. say enough about it, uh, about the show. Well, let's get into our topic for today. Mm, yeah. Which is virtual reality. And before we start talking about it, let me, I think, I guess, put some bounds on it uh, or explain what uh, I mean by the concept of virtual reality, because I know a lot of people might have uh, a different thought on, on what it is. Uh, I know a lot of people will say that virtual reality could even be uh, like a video game. Mm. You know, if you have a environment and you have a character and environment on a video game, there's a, a level of virtual reality to that. But that's, I would say like, that's a non-immersive kind of mm. virtual reality. Right, okay. okay? Mm -hmm. So the kind of virtual reality I want to talk about is the immersive kind, the kind where uh, in today's reality, you would put on a headset so all you see and experience is what you're seeing in the headset. It's it's immersive. And mm -hmm. when we talk about science fiction, uh, the immersive kind of virtual reality that you get in a holodeck or 
in the Matrix movies or in Ready Player One. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't asked uh, the three of you if you had seen or read the the novel Ready Player One, because those were different experiences watching the movie and reading the book. I've seen the the movie, which I heard was like not well received. It was fine, but I haven't read the actual book, which I feel like I should read the book because everybody yeah, loves half, the book. Yeah, the but book nobody liked is... The movie. Well, I wouldn't say no one liked the movie, um, oh, really? and especially oh, just... after reading some interviews with a, with a Ernest Klein who wrote the book, who he was very who was very involved in the movie and very happy. My my take on it is uh, because let's see, my older son who's eleven now, so he was like eight or so when the movie movie came out, and mm-hmm. so I, I've read had read the book, I read it a couple times. I'm also a child of the '80s, <laughs> so all the video games in the '80s pop culture that they talk about mm-hmm. in oh, like the that. book. I was, I grew up with that. That was, you know, now none of that, my, at the time, eight-year-old son, he, he doesn't know any of that. Like he doesn't. So I, I understand to make a movie work for a more general audience, they had to change a lot. And then the fact that the writer was of the book, that he was actively involved, I was like, okay, I get it. So it's like, you have to look at the movie and the book as just two different things right, and two okay. different experiences and then you can enjoy them both i mean i knew it was fine i just remember hearing that people yeah. were not impressed but i think the movie the thing that had me was i think they referenced the search for spock they referenced one star trek movie and i was like whoa they referenced uh-huh. like not really a classic yes. one like a deeper cut so mm-hmm. oh. motion picture yeah. i was i was amazed by that i'm like all right cool fully support the movie yeah yeah, so it was everything that they talked about. So in in Ready Player One, um, just to to give kind of like a semi non spoiler for people who might not have read the book, uh, it's you know a decade or two in the future from now, and a lot of people live in a online virtual reality thing called the Oasis, and so within that, there's recreations of anything and everything. And the guy who created the Oasis, he's obsessed with the the pop culture from his youth of the 70s and 80s. So there's a lot of recreations of that. And I'll leave out the why uh, is what I'll, I'll leave out. Um, okay. But like, so all the video games, all the movies, all the things are recreated in VR. And I know, uh, you know, I would have loved to see that on the screen. And so I think a lot of people went expecting to see that on the screen and when they didn't get that on the screen they were very disappointed they had some they had like the shining which is funny because a like, little bit oh yeah and they had the, the back to the future cars yeah but they didn't reference like really like any of the video games that they play right. like okay. even and i was expecting at least like pac-man you know like mm-hmm. the simple ones mm-hmm. to be the pac-man wasn't even in there you know so so I, like i said i get it so it's they're two different experiences. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's always the case where you know, the book is one level of, of quality and detail and the movie yeah. is like, OK, we've got to sell it to an audience that's going to want to sit there for two hours and watch it and not, you know, at the end of the movie, walk out going, I got to recommend this to somebody else or I found it cool or interesting or fun or whatever. So, you know, they're going to make there's going to they're going to just take liberties as need be to sell the product and that's yeah. gotta be a dilemma of every author whose story goes to the big screen. First of all, how much, you know, what is their contract? What control do they really have mm-hmm. or input? Do they just get paid for the story itself so that they can go and do whatever they want to it? Um, obviously Ernest had his hands in this a little bit in ready player one, but 
it's just like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Lord of the Rings. Um, and I'm actually, I just started reading it again and am trying to introduce my seven-year-old daughter to that a little bit. Um, but she's more interested in this little book called Crazy Foolish Robots. Um, <laughs> oh, so, that's uh, sweet. We oh. started that. And so she's, I, I think we're going to have to finish that whole thing written out oh, by yeah. our own Adina here. But, um, <laughs> uh, but like with, with Peter Jackson, Lord of the Rings, there was so much. That's just such a rich world. There was no way for him to put all of that into three films. And so they mm-hmm. had to make cuts. They had to, you know, but what they were very concerned with was the essence of the story, the spirit of the story, the heart of the story. And I think mm-hmm. most Lord of the Rings fans, yeah, there was a couple things for sure that we wish we could have seen. But overall, as a Lord of the Rings fan, I, those are some of my favorite movies because, mm-hmm. um, man, it just transported you into that world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I haven't seen Ready Player One, so I don't know if it came close to that. Def- okay. So one, you should definitely both read the book and see the, see the movie because they're both very interesting uh, experiences. And what I'll also say about the book as kind of like another plug that everyone who's interested in science fiction should read this is I rarely, rarely, rarely reread any books of any kind because there's just too much new stuff to read. Right. So I don't want to spend my time rereading something I've already read. Ready Player One is one of two science fiction novels I have read several times. Mm. Uh, It's Ready Player One and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm. And that's it. I mean, like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I've reread select scenes of a couple others more to, like, study for uh, Mm -hmm. writing research. But to really read for pleasure, you know, reread Ready Player One is, is one of them. Now, there was a second a second novel that followed on from that. Um, part two, uh, you, I think you could even skip it. I think it would have been okay if you never wrote a part two. It was not as, as good at all. But the first one was wonderful. It was just wonderful. Okay. Well, since you haven't seen that one, let's, let's uh, go to ones I think that we've more collectively have all seen. Um, like, has everyone seen the Matrix movies? Um, all of them except not for the number four. Yeah, not, not the latest Okay. One. Okay. Well, okay, but but let's stick to number the first three because that's really, or even just the first one where you you know go ahead, yeah. Well, I mean that's the thing is is just the whole concept of you know. So this is a different, whole different level of virtual reality because these are people who are don't know they're living in it. Yeah, you know, terrifying. (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. sort of. Well, right. Yeah. And, and as we saw in the movie, some people want and were perfectly happy and perfect. You know, when they learned the truth, they wanted to go back. Like, I think I would be cipher. Like, I don't know if I'd want to kill people, but like, I kind of understand where he's coming from now that we're getting into big major spoilers to the to the movie. But that's probably you know, okay I, with the Matrix. I, uh, um, I yeah, think so. It's, yeah. Yeah. But it's just like, I can kind of see that. Like, do you like, is there any benefit to not? To, to know the truth because like the like the um the real world was just miserable like i mean one podcast i listened to they pointed out man your shoes like what kind of like feet situ like what's the foot situation they're gonna get weird diseases on your feet and just like it's just horrible raves all- but if you don't know the truth then you know humanity is trapped forever but do they right? actually succeed i just feel like by the end of the like the trilogy i'm like is there any was there any gain and I just, from being like, if you're not thinking about the rest of humanity, like what's the benefit of realizing, okay, it's a yeah. fake world. 
well, what's the point of living in a fake world? Well, because it's like, <laughs> oh, we're getting deep here, folks. <laughs> we're well, I mean, diving I don't know deep. Point. It's just like you could say, what's yeah. like? I mean, if you if you have a world and you have family, you have relationships, a job that you enjoy, you know, good food that you can eat, you mm. like doing things. It's like, okay, how do that shouldn't matter if it's not real? Because if plus if everybody's also is into it. I guess I would be a little bit annoyed if it's just like you're telling me I've been stuck in traffic for 30 years when this is fake. <laughs> that could be annoying, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It was a long rant. Yeah, no, it's a hard one to deal with. Mhm. And it was just, you know, watching the movie and it's been a long time since I watched The Matrix, but it would just seem that, you know, the the transition from the real world to the matrix world to in and out plugging them in unplugging them it got to be a little convoluted and confusing and it almost in sometimes was was the movie driven by its effects then you know they even showed in this past uh, academy awards you know the uh uh leaning back when the bullets are flying at them and and how they did the the camera work where they set up where there was i don't know how many different 35 millimeter yeah, groundbreaking all around the mm-hmm. main at the time yeah you know, yeah so i mean they did it's almost was the effects done was the story driven by the effects or the effects were driving the story mm, um question. and you know and and that, not that there's anything wrong with that because you know you're supposed to advance filmmaking from one level to the next and that's fine but really i mean in the end result you know what was the end result in it did did humanity survive did they defeat the machines did the machines went out I, I don't remember i have to like if so that's a yeah. time if you're not thinking if you're thinking about all three because i swear once a year i'm like wait how did the matrix end again and i have to go <laughs> back and look because i just always forget, and then who but- built it I mean, who built it so that you'd have these pods that all these poor people were living in that were just, you know, batteries. There were batteries for the machines. Yeah, that's how the that's yeah, how the but, the human machine war ended. Yeah, that's not a so good end. Did, yeah. did, so did so Skynet won, and they turned everybody into machines. I mean, is yeah, is that, that's yeah. 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 Well, except for you know, well, not Skynet. You know, different also, franchise, but, but, yeah. but the yeah, equivalent. But still the same concept yeah. of the machines. Winning the war and enslaving humanity and turning them into Duracells. Yeah, basically. I don't want to be a Duracell bunny. Right. No. They are soft and cuddly, though. It's and they play <laughs> the drums. It's it's one of those things where if I could like if I could adopt the powers of Neo, but still live in the world, like in the sense that I feel like this is a question because we're talking about food off air. I got to bring this up in every conversation. But if you're Neo and you can dodge bullets because you know that they won't affect you, can you eat food without gaining calories or without like gaining weight? Well, that's a reason to want to live in the Matrix. I mean, that's if I could live in the Matrix and Mm -hmm. be like, well, if I just know these calories aren't real, I'm not going to gain weight. I'm down. I'm in. In the Matrix. But what happens to the actual body, though? You know, that's 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 my question. This is where maybe. If you've got a fresher perspective or remembrance of the Matrix films than I do, but I, you know, that's that would be the question. Like, okay, if 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 the world that we live in that is virtual reality is wonderful, it's exciting, it's filled with adventure or peace 
or you know everybody there's no war everybody loves each other all that stuff but there's still it's fun whatever okay but you know you eat and eat and eat but how is your body actually getting nourished is it all you know what i mean are you hooked up to a machine or is, you know surely you, you what you eat in the virtual reality is not affecting the body actually so that's yeah. where it becomes like oh well so that's confusing because yeah. like yeah they're all connected to the the machines and they're getting energy there and then like when they when neo comes out it's like they have to what, I can't pronounce the word atrophy. Yeah, your, your muscles are going through atrophy. Yeah, he had atrophy. Yeah. Right. Muscles going. Yeah. But I assume that when you're, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. But there's a, obviously a, a mental, like a mind-body connection there, which that was the whole reason why if they die in the matrix, they die in real life. Mm, you know, right. they're okay. like shot, you know, unless mm. they're, I guess, super special and can withstand or something. But so, yeah, I think there's, and this just might be a, just a, a very detailed inconsistency that, you know, because that is going to happen with movies. Um, there's always going to be a little inconsistency. So there's, we might have just found one. <laughs> Not for Trek, um, though. There's no inconsistencies in the Trek. No, movies. never. Okay. There's never, ever been well, that clear. <laughs> well, okay. So let, let's talk about, which I think to me is, this is going to be the most fun part of virtual reality. Let's talk about the holodeck. Okay. Okay. okay the the holodeck good. is, is uh, amazing. So we first see it in the first episode. They, they set us up with this in the first episode, you know, in Encounter of Farpoint, the, Farpoint, they introduce the holodeck. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. it's this device that is a combination of sometimes it's just there a little bit as a tool. And then sometimes there's a, a whole episode that is very much focused on mm -hmm. the use of it to include, uh, there's some really interesting episodes, um, creating effectively an AI smarter than data. Mm -hmm. So they create Moriarty, mm -hmm. they, they create this AI out of yeah. the holodeck. And then the fact that they, that the AI, they do that pretend simulation where, you know, Picard and data get trapped mm -hmm. in and they don't mm -hmm. know they're in a simulation, but then they kind of retrap. Oh, yeah, that so was wild. a that was a wonderful, such a cool episode. Uh, I watched that again today, uh, shipping a bottle from mm. the next generation, and I had forgotten that they Moriarty just tricks them, mm -hmm. and then Picard gives him his command code so he can actually do stuff. I'd forgotten that Moriarty did that in the episode, switched it around. That was fantastic. And that's the terrifying thing is like, they don't know they're in the holodeck and the holodeck is so good that literally, well, I shouldn't say literally, but almost every time a character wakes up in a different situation, they're like, am I in another universe? Mm -hmm. They immediately say computer and program, which means mm -hmm. that at any moment you could just wake up in a holodeck and you wouldn't ever know it because it was so convincing. Has that's any of you ever done that? Just walked into a room and been like computer and program just to see what happened. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I know a guy. I got a buddy that does it. <laughs> I've thought about it. <laughs> I, I do say computer all the time, but not computer and program. No, but I love that that's what Dad, Data said at the very end when he's like, computer and program. Oh, no, I wasn't. It was not him. It was Barkley. Oh, it was Barkley. Barkley. Yeah, it was Barkley. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. Barkley at the end. He's like, hmm, let me just yep. pose this. And and it, and that was a fun ending to it, like the just well, just in case, I better just check. But it was it was very good because I hadn't seen that episode in well, I can't remember the last time I saw it. So it was fun watching it again and seeing how Moriarty outsmarted them and tricked them, and then used that to his advantage. 
and it was done you know i mean they 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 really did paint moriarty as this really nice guy that just he did it all for love even though in the books he was the bad guy but he makes he was the, the point the that mean. he's no he's not that he's not that character written on the page he's whoever he is mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and that he should be given a chance to actually right. be a person because he feels like mm-hmm. he's a person and just because someone wrote his past that's he didn't mm-hmm. and he didn't actually do those things right he became he came into existence when mm-hmm. Pulaski or when when LaForge said hey let's create some uh, you know character with the capability of you know of beating data of, of outsmarting data data elementary yeah. dear data elementary dear data yeah great yeah, great season, season two. two episode a lot of fun say i love wharf in in period clothing that always kind of gave me a <laughs> smile when he's dressed up ready to go in well how how about like speaking of i know we're talking specifically about shipping a bottle as as an example and because it's interesting because moriarty from elementary dear data because they said the right combination of words they actually created consciousness Mm -hmm. for this character and then in Mm -hmm. ship in a bottle we find that the crew is surprised to find that he has experienced the passage of time and he's trying his best to explain that to captain picard and they're all stuck on the whole how is this possible to begin with? They're not ready to talk right, about right. him having a life outside the holodeck. Um, but I love, like, I think they didn't, they do some episodes with Barkley getting obsessed with the holodeck and really kind of mm-hmm. addicted to it. Yeah. Well, it's that's, yeah, started with hollow pursuits. Mm-hmm. That was the first, and that's the first episode we were, I think, introduced to yeah. Barkley. Uh, where, yep, and he's recreating. So this is interesting. He's not just recreating stuff, but he's recreating real people that he knows in real life. And that's an interesting, I think, ethical yes. thing. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm, should mm-hmm. you be able to do that for your own personal yeah, that's, use? Yeah, and then he does it with the mm-hmm. Voyager crew in, in Voyager, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's a little weird, but he like helps. But that's a little bit different in the Voyager episodes, right? Because he was really trying to solve a real problem that wasn't a well, sort of well, like he no, was no, trying yeah, to solve he was a problem, still, but at one point he yeah. was living there, like he had quarters on That's the true. ship and would just That's hang true. out there all the time. That's right. But That's it right. wasn't as creepy that. as well. I mean, this is obviously a PG podcast, but in Hollow Pursuits, when he's with is a little uh, creepy, yeah. With, uh, Troy specifically, <laughs> who's like the goddess of empathy, and it's like, okay, that's a uh, <laughs> a little questionable. Yeah, but that's, I mean, it was, I think why it was a really good episode was because it felt like a, a real kind of thing, you know, someone has these issues uh, with dealing with people in real life and what they do in their fantasy life. Um, yeah, it's mm-hmm. creepy, but it's, that's what people do. Yeah, I still <laughs> yeah. think though, like Barkley doesn't get enough <laughs> people are creepy. Uh, props for having like not only saved the day, but like he continues to go back to work every day, even after <laughs> everything that has happened mm-hmm. to him there he he faces, yeah, he faces people it. yeah mm-hmm. yeah barkley is a, a great character yeah um, no it was not really a, a holodeck episode but the nth degree when he oh, like so good gets oh yes. zapped yeah. and oh but he does use the holodeck he, he builds a main computer He's, yeah that's true that's which true. is crazy that like the holodeck mm-hmm. is so realistic that you can build machines you can project machines in the holodeck turn off the safeties and then they can actually create real functions well, Sorry. So, so let me, 
I wasn't really going <laughs> to talk about this, but I figured but I knew it was going to come up. So in my real uh, day job life right now at work, I actually manage a virtual reality lab. And, you know, so, you know, um, I talked about this before I work on teams, we build satellites. And so in the virtual reality, that's what we do is we kind of recreate our, our satellite so we can um, see it, interact with it uh, in, mm-hmm. in kind of like a, the real size and, and in such a, such like that. But we do things or we're capable of doing things that have an interaction to the real world where we can like pipe in data and stuff like that. So to me, that's not not crazy at all. Hmm. That for me feels like no. very like a normal extension or a natural extension of what we can really do. Today. Oh, yeah, I think it makes sense in the mm-hmm. in, in track, but it's just it's incredible. But that's amazing. Like I have so many questions. Like, do you ever get to use the Microsoft? Uh, my, what's it called? There's like a Microsoft the HoloLens, HoloLens, like which is AR. Yes. That, to me, yeah. So right. I want one. So, so we do, um, I do, although my lab is, is focused on, so again, this goes back to the definitions and why I'm passionate about them, because uh, especially at work, I get a lot of people who I, I educate on the difference between virtual reality and augmented right. yeah, reality. There's a huge... So with, yeah. So with mm-hmm. the HoloLens and we see, and maybe another day we'll talk about augmented reality in Trek, where the most of that I saw was in DS9 with the, um, not the Jebedar, but the uh, who are the people that interface with the the founders? Uh, why can't I? Think yeah, okay. About me? But they when they're in their ship, that she's uh, they're using like a little glasses. Yes, yes, the... yes, yes. So they're using you know kind of like an augmented reality to do control. Um, but that's the thing is so augmented reality is when you you see the real world, and then you have some device that literally like augments or put some kind of, uh, so you, so you're not cut off from the real world. It's, it's a literal, like you're even augment versus the virtual reality. You're, you're kind of cut yeah. off from the, which the is what I think so that's I that. for augmented mm-hmm. because yeah. especially now where I'm like, I don't want to be in a virtual world, but if I could like have Iron Man mm-hmm. tech and look like I'm manipulating, um, like a map or well, something in real life, but have it like mm-hmm. have it that way. That's kind of where I'd be, or I prefer but Adina, this technology that you talk about is purely the ability to test a product to see how it's going to work without risking the failure that, you know, okay, so, you know, we had mm-hmm. to actually launch rockets in the 50s to prove that they could fail so that we could find out what's wrong with them. Whereas you're in this world can be able to test your equipment without the fear of, you know, spending hundreds or millions yeah hundreds so, of thousands or millions of dollars yeah so in in real life uh we're using it as a as kind of like an engineering development or, or design tool to or an engineering mm-hmm. aid but i mean i could do things like where i could because so if i have a computer program and that's what i use to say launch a rocket or control my satellite mm-hmm. i can do mm-hmm. that in vr in virtual reality i can still access that stuff so that that link from real to virtual um, exists today. And while my team were using it as just an engineering tool, I mean, there are other people doing a lot of other interesting stuff. (laughs) Right, right, (laughs) right. No, it's very very interesting. But now I understand, you know, so Chris, you say you're, you don't, you'd rather use augmented versus virtual, but I guess one of the questions I want to ask everybody was if you were able to use the holodeck, you know, well, if you were on the enterprise, that was, you know, you, you lived and worked mm-hmm, on the enterprise, mm-hmm, how mm-hmm. much of your off time would you spend on the holodeck? And then what would you, 
What would you That's do? That's hard because you're going to say if you're on the enterprise, because if, if we had access to holodecks right now, I would just recreate the enterprise. Like that's probably what I would do, <laughs> but I don't know if I was on there. I, it's hard because I love, I love being able to watch TV and not have to interact with the show and not have to be an active participant. I can just kick back, you know, talk about it with people, but just, you know, just watch it. So I don't know if I'd actually like that. But I would, I would definitely get, got to try food. I'd be like, can I turn off, turn on safeties and just replicate, say, uh, the Mandarin, which is like basically the biggest generic Americanized Chinese food chain that we have in Canada. I would say maybe in Ontario, we do that. But I don't know because, again, it's it's weird, like... I, I'm not sure what I would do because it gets into weird territory. It's like, well, do you hang out with your friends? Do you, if you have someone that passed away, do you recreate them in the holodeck? Like, what is the, I don't know. It'd be very strange. Well, the idea is if you, if you can have the holodeck, you could go anywhere, do anything, interact with anyone as long as you had a program. So it's infinite. You know, do you want to, like you said, do you want to sit down with the great minds and play poker like they've done in the episodes, you know, or, or would you want to be able to go back to, you know, ancient times and know that you can, you can go back in time without actually altering the timeline. So you could really have time travel. You could either create a future that is unbelievable, or you could go back to a past that you want to be a part of and know that when you're all done, you just say computer and program. And you're back to reality again. So it's, uh, to me, it was like, I, I, I could do anything. How can I choose anything? You could even recreate your favorite dog. And <laughs> I bring would be back worried life, that I would you know? lose my stuff. I mean, there's times where I'm like, I don't even want to binge a show because I'm already too into it. And I like, I just, I would worry that, okay, would mm-hmm. I be able to, you know, say, okay, well, I'm going to go hang out in the holodeck for half an hour and come back to real life and not have it be an issue. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of like weird ethical, moral things that I would get into, but I don't know. I don't actually know if it's just like something fun. Maybe I would uh, just ask the computer to be like, hey, give me a sax teacher. And I would like go in the holiday, during the sax for half an hour, come home. Well, there's a several places, times and places that they did use it for educational-ish purposes. That is and true. I think that to me mm-hmm. is definitely a, a very, I mean, even today's virtual reality in real, real life is a great educational tool. So like uh, uh, they recreated a studio for data to learn to dance. Um, they recreated a stage for data to learn how to be a stand-up comic. Um, and then uh, Jordy used it several times as an engineering tool, you know, so you're using it several times to fix problems. Well, okay, there's a creepy aspect. Yes, let's person. get into the Forget Jordy from, situation. Just, we'll come back Brian, to that. Brian's, Brian's been very <laughs> we'll come, quiet. We'll come back to that, but just the just the engineering tool aspect of it, because I think that's a great thing to, a great, it's a great tool. Oh, for sure. I mean, I right? think it's, you'd have to, I think there'd have to be limits like set internally, be like, okay, here are the guidelines. Because as you remember, the president from Star Trek 6 once said, just because you can do a thing does not necessarily mean we must do that thing. <laughs> so there should be some major guidelines. Yeah, Brian, you've been quiet. I, I, well, I've been, I've been looking up next-gen episodes with what, mm-hmm. where I recall holodecks. That's why I've been so quiet the last few minutes is okay. uh, in writing okay. podcast notes so I can save myself time later. But um, uh I, I'm fascinated. I, I hope we can circle back around um, to 
booby trapping galaxies child because that's an interesting thing yes um and all that stuff and what that what are some of the positives and negatives of that but if if i had the opportunity to be a starfleet officer aboard our beloved beautiful enterprise d and had opportunity to get into a holodeck i think that um it's just like anything else entertainment wise in our lives done in balance with wisdom and self-control folks mm. just like you know some people can have two or three potato chips other people can't help themselves from eating half the bag or the whole bag you know so you have to have self-control and i would think probably because the enterprise d is so massive there's so many crewmen they they don't talk about it a lot but they probably only have so much time they're allowed to use it anyways everybody everybody to have the opportunity to recreate on this thing but i see i think it would be fun to um you know here i am and it's happened to get up in the 60s today but yesterday it didn't get much higher than 30. so from my perspective still we're still experiencing a little bit of winter's edge here in ohio be fun to go to the beach on a holodeck and get warm and put your feet in the sand in the ocean and relax that way for an hour or two. Yeah. Um, it'd also be fun to jump onto the Millennium Falcon for crying out loud hey. and, <laughs> and do that Kessel run, you know, and uh, it'd be mm -hmm. great fun to have parties in the holodeck and have historical figures, have a Blinken show mm -hmm. up, have, you know, Neil Armstrong show up, have Nelson mm -hmm. Mandela show up, whoever, you know, and, and just, that would be, I've thought about that before. That would be great fun. Um, Why yeah. is it okay to recreate a historical figure and not recreate someone else? That's so, that's a good question. <laughs> like I said, your favorite dog, bring your favorite dog back who <laughs> passed away 10 years ago. And, oh, Butchie, I love, oh my God. And you could be able to See, interact that's... with them because they don't die. In in the real in the I virtual think because reality. like with 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 a historical person you you never like you don't know who they like you know who they are but you don't really know them on a personal level and the recreation that you're getting is an approximation of the figure not the actual person you're getting an approximation of anything because the computer yeah. can't really be perfectly but it's so if, it if we're using star trek technology you know? I mean data or so, yes yeah, start assume star right. trek technology so I guess yeah. this goes back mm -hmm. to uh the Jordy episode but he's able to recreate a 90 like what is it a facsimile that's 97 point something percent accurate mm -hmm. based on all this psychological data <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's pretty close to a real person i think they do throw out a number on one of those two episodes they throw out a they throw out a number but how do you really know i mean like don't really know i mean like again what we how we saw that that character act and act towards Jordy in that episode as a hologram versus the, the real life mm -hmm. person mm -hmm. in the episode. No, they were not similar. They behaved okay. to Jordy very differently. Can I can I ask this question? Because we know that we do have technology. I think even like Siri, right, can adapt and kind of figure out what what we like, right? Am I mistaken here? Like the like this technology learns. I mean, even even Facebook, you like so many things that it's it kind of starts showing you what you like and more of what you like. 
So is the in holodeck a surface way in a surface? Yeah, it's very much surface way. But on the holodeck, mm-hmm. is that the same case, or or can the can these characters you're interacting with? Can you if you say certain things, will the holodeck go? Oh, okay, that's what Jordy wants this girl to kind of like mm-hmm. him, you know? So mm-hmm. did the holodeck adapt? And mm-hmm. yes, I've got thoughts. So what do you think? I okay. So there's so many things. Why I don't know that it adapts that way. It seems like like um, everything is recorded because I was I actually did a video about this a while ago that the holodeck is terrifying because it even seemed like in the episode we'll always have Paris that I guess somehow everything is recorded to the point where Picard was able to ask the computer to recreate a uh, to recreate a bar from Paris on the exact moment at a specific time. So he was able to walk in and hear conversations that took place. So it seems like there's so much recording going on that the computer could approximate approximate someone's mm-hmm. personality, whereas a historical figure, they're only going by historical documents. Like even if you look at first contact, they were totally off with what they what Cochran was like. Everybody thought Cochrane was a certain way, but then they're like, oh, this guy actually is nothing like the Cochrane that we all grew up mm-hmm. hearing about. I, I think that we all intuitively feel that if you're going to recreate Stephen Hawking or Abraham Lincoln, uh, you know, in the holodeck, no one, no one's going to be bothered by that. There's nothing wrong with that. Why is no. it wrong to recreate, you know, Leia, Dr. Leia Brahms or the, your crewmates? Why is that? And I guess, I think we all have this feeling that that's kind of wrong. Why? I guess it's because to the other person, you're feeling like they're, you're violating that. I guess I, I got to stop. Like I'll let someone else speak, but I feel like there's a violation <laughs> of like, if you walk into the holodeck and you, see someone that you never met before and they're flirting with a version of you, that's got to be a little bit alarming as opposed to a historical oh. figure that's never going to come walking in on you. I, I don't know. But if I have a photograph, if I have a photograph of someone I know, or you, know, you have a photograph of someone you know, and you're just sitting there swooning over the photograph and imagining things and, you know, so that's your personal time in your personal head and, and everything. Why? And that's kind of okay. Cause it's your personal thoughts. Maybe you do have a crush on this person. So what's, different about just stare, sitting there and staring at a picture and daydreaming <laughs> versus doing That's something more like a holiday on, in your private time. Where Cork is trying to get an image of Kira for a client, which is... Oh, that's true. 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 What about the episode where, where um, Will Wheaton's character, Wisley, he gets to get a message from his father mm-hmm. from the past. And it's a message time, you know, if you're hearing this message, you know, you're older and but he could then have created his dad and had had a catch with mm. him if he wanted to in the holodeck, you know, that they could have really expanded that, but they just kept it to this one thing. But really, if he wanted to visit with his dad, he could, they could have created a holodeck image of him and everything would have been hunky dory. Well, would it have been? And, and again, why is that okay? Yeah, that's <laughs> see, that's hard because was I, that was well, that data's what, which what was that one called? No. Um, not Data's that day, was, but uh, that was in Family. That was the episode. Oh, right. after oh that's Festival right. Okay. Yes, yes, that's right. Family, that was one of yeah. the side arc, side okay. plots in that episode. Okay. Mm, that's yeah. a good question. Um, c- can I bring up an interesting <laughs> concept about the the holodeck and how it ep- applies to a very favorite epi- series of mine, which is Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Now, as we all know, probably the most hated right. episode okay. of Enterprise was the very last episode. Right? Riker's the chef, by the way. Some of us like that episode. I like the Some episode. Some of us liked it. I liked it. But 
And so I started to think about so now I, I started to think about the episode going, okay, what was the basis of the episode? Well, Riker had to go talk to Picard. So he went to the holodeck and created this situation of something happening on the last mission of the NX01, which helped him to generate a possibility of what might have happened, which caused me this, Pete, last week to watch the episode Pegasus. And I'm watching it. I'm going, okay, what was the whole point? The point was, in the Pegasus episode, was Riker loyal to Picard or was he loyal to his old captain from the Pegasus? And so you could actually have dovetailed into that episode, an episode within an episode of where Riker goes back in time through the holodeck, encounters the Enterprise NX-01, gets the answer he needed, which is I'm going to support Picard and go against my old captain. And if that is the case, then what happened in the episode, the last episode of Enterprise never actually happened. And everything that existed in the books, the things, the, the good that men do, where they actually recreate that whole sequence. But instead, instead of Trip being killed, he's actually sent, becomes a secret agent man and is transformed into a Romulan spy. If you haven't read the book, I just spoiled well, it for maybe you. I, I miss, maybe I missed something <laughs> in the, the last episode of Enterprise because I was under the impression that what Riker was doing was kind of effectively reviewing historical records, that, that that's what happened. Ah, but it's the holodeck. It's the holodeck. Can't you do what you want? But I thought he was using it as a let me as a historical so can I, let me jump in let me jump okay, in Chris because sure. I think because Adina <laughs> asked a question that we have not we've kind of danced around a little bit and I it's and so because there's so much I mean you know we're obviously all Trek fans who we can go on a million tangents with this holodeck thing yeah um, definitely but is it why is it okay to recreate a historical figure who we don't know? And is it wrong to do that with someone we do know, like personally? Is there anything wrong with that? I think it's. And the... I think. Go ahead. I'll, oh, I'll, oh I'll, sorry. Yeah, think we need, I think we thought. should. We should tackle that for real because I think it's an incredibly deep and challenging question that maybe we would have one answer to, but maybe in our real lives we might live a little different way occasionally. Well, and then there's 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 probably no good answer because then think, I'm gonna hit yeah. you guys I'm gonna let you know right now I'm gonna hit you guys with all the nuances and the mm. pure one isn't a good example. What if I voluntarily say, look, I'm I'm happy to sell my my likeness. Mm -hmm. Just make sure I'm getting like quark here. Have my likeness. Just make sure I'm getting a, a really deep share of those profits <laughs> on that. If you're both consenting, <laughs> if you're consenting to it, I think it's then that shouldn't be an issue. It's like um, I'll bring up Doctor Flock's Genobulans. Like the idea of having multiple wives is not something that I support. But I mean, the fact that his culture, everybody agrees to it, and everybody's playing by that morality, then it works for them. So I think in that situation, yeah, if Kira agrees to give her image to quark and is like just give me some of that latinum i'll we'll be good i think that would have been fine <laughs> but the fact that she was he was trying to get it without her consent is that's the problem mm. okay. 
Okay, sure, sure on that one. But now let's go back to the hop back to the Enterprise okay. where they're all in Starfleet. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, so Starfleet being the pseudo military thing that it is. Uh, so they join Starfleet and you join Starfleet. And let's say on day one, you have to sign some stuff saying, hey, by the way, when you're on our ships, you're serving on our ships, you're getting recorded 24 seven. Everything you do say, whatever is recorded and we'll use it how we see fit. <laughs> I mean, in that case, I would never, then, so ever. then. Well, but so then you, so then you have someone like Jordy Mm -hmm. who goes into the holodeck to solve a problem and they recreate someone who had possibly voluntarily signed this stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's. Is it, is it wrong? Well, so I, it's hard because (laughs) Jordy did not go into the holodeck with the intention of falling in love with Leah. He was just trying to. Yes get a unique perspective he's I trying think to solve the a problem. Worst problem yeah. is the fact that he didn't include his team on it like it was just him with leah with Le- leah solving the problem and not involving his team i don't think that's a good job for like a managerial position if you have a team you should be utilizing them eh. but <laughs> i don't it's hard because he didn't go in there with the intention of i'm going to fall in love with leah it was just like no i yes. just need to so you think you have to have a good respect for the potential addictive nature of something like this. Right, exactly. If, you know what I mean? I mean, I mean, we know mm-hmm. in, in our day and age, videos, games can become very addictive. Mm-hmm. There's pornography, which is a yeah. form of fantasy that can become very addictive. Um, mm-hmm. There's, I mean, people can be, I mean, enter, anything entertainment, too much of it can become negative and you can start to desire to live there in your heart and in your mind than in the real world. So I think there just has to be balance. I think personally, for me, okay, this is in my humble opinion, um, I would probably have a hard time recreating people I know that I'm going to go interact with in a holodeck. I'd rather invite them to actually come into the holodeck with me in person and interact in this environment but I don't know if I have a problem recreating, you know, for instance, historical figures um, in, in the sense of if it's a learning situation, like I want to interact and learn maybe like we see, I think, well, I guess it's not really a holodeck, but we see Mark Twain. That was in time zero one and yeah, two. That, that wasn't, wasn't that was a holodeck. Past, now that I, yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, in that type of sense, let's just use Mark Twain. Maybe I'm a huge fan of Mark Twain's work. Maybe going <laughs> to into a holodeck and to sit down with Mark Twain and hear him tell stories, you know, and like that situation. Mm-hmm. But I would rather do that in more of a I'm removed. I'm 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 in a room filled with people listening to him. Right. You know okay. what I mean? Not necessarily interacting like I have a relationship with him type deal. Um, so that's my two cents okay. or three yeah, or four. Yeah, that's a valid argument. And I think it would be easier if you are on if you are on the enterprise where you do have holiday time and um, it's like, OK, you've only got it booked for an hour. Then I think it become less addictive because you can't hog like you just simply cannot hog the holiday. Are we sure they record the holodeck? Like, are we sure? Or is that a privacy section? No idea. I don't think they ever really. Okay. So this is just in theory. This is just a this theoretical. Is why I'm so confused because it seems like with the, what they will always have Paris, it seems like everything is recorded to the point where you can recreate the cafe 
at the exact everything moment. in life is recorded, not the holodeck session right. itself. But yet, yeah. DS Nine doesn't seem to have security cameras everywhere in some episodes, which it's less like I, I'm not sure what's actually being recorded. I'm assuming in the holodeck, it's private. Like it's, I think it's considered to be off limits. It would be. So the thing with the we'll always have Paris. Remember that that's on Earth, and if you kind of extend from what we do today, a couple hundred years, yeah. where I mean, if you've ever looked at Google Earth and Google Street yeah, View, it's, and where mm-hmm. we are now, and then uh, for anyone who does have a Oculus or an HTC Vive, look at Google Earth VR. Mm. It's pretty interesting. Um, it, it really it just How, uh, really? if you have access, yeah, it's it's Google Street View. But in VR, it's it's That's very cool. surreal because you can fly over things. You can you can stand there, but then you can also fly over things, um, and and you could go anywhere in the world. And there's different resolutions on different places. So I went back to my high school. We went back to my husband's house. Uh, we went to some historical mm-hmm. places. You know, it's it's really neat. that's awesome. Yeah. So it, 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 so this if you have the Oculus, I have the Vive. VR. Yeah, but Oculus, okay. uh, Oculus, and the HTC Vive are very similar headsets. Yeah. Okay, because if you can do that, so that literally, because my wife, when we plan a vacation, I mean, she'll literally get on, uh, she'll get on Google Maps, mm-hmm. and she'll she'll drive the route. Cool. <laughs> looking for things like you know we're we went to we went we were going back to Hawaii. We were going to drive the Hana Highway, and she literally drove the Hana Highway from the VR. For, you know, from mm-hmm. that. So if you could actually see it immersed yeah. in, in VR imaging, yeah. that's even, yeah. okay, I might buy one. Now, now there's, there's really a concept, if I can get, get my real life in here, there's actually VR churches now. Okay. Wow. And, and, experience, and I'm sure it's experiences any kind like that, too, of gatherings of people where you do that and you do it in virtual reality and you interact and you have your own avatar. And as a matter of fact, I was just in Florida and I discovered um, there's, you know, there's um, the various different ways you can get taxi rides. You know, the services now, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but there's one in Florida called Kelly car and the gal's name is Kelly and she's got certain drivers. And um, uh, I had a gal in our car um, who actually, is an artist and she creates outfits for avatars for people doing VR. Wow. And uh, she, she has gotten paid thousands of dollars for one outfit for these avatars on virtual reality. Um, So it is gaining huge momentum. Mm -hmm. And so I think to say that, like it's, it's very popular. People are really getting into it. And so I think it's probably like when we see this absolutely mass market, everybody has one. I don't think we're quite there yet, but we're closer than I think we think. Mm-hmm. More more people have it than you think. Like my uh, my best friend, he brought over his VR set uh, during my on my birthday, and it was fun. It was like a, he had like a wireless one. I think it's I can't remember which one it is, but it's one of the more the newer ones that is portable, and it was fun. But we were doing this thing, VR chat, that he hangs out in. And I was talking to someone. And it's just a really surreal thing where I'm like, I don't know mm-hmm. that I'm comfortable doing that yet. I had more fun just playing some of the games. But it's just so weird. It's just like, okay, I really am in a different world. Now, I do want to, like, the one reason I would want to get it is because, one, I can live up my John Wick fantasies. But also, there's a Star Trek game called uh, Bridge Commander, 
Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Which is just mm-hmm. okay. That's that's mm-hmm. a fantasy. Being on the bridge, yelling out commands to get people together. Oh, that'd be perfect. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I had mentioned this in a previous podcast, but the so in for anyone who does have uh, one of the VR uh, sets and is connected to Steam VR, there is a recreation oh, of Enterprise yeah. D that some people put together, and it is amazing. I mean, all you do, it's not a game. All you do is you, you know walk around, yeah. but it's it's fantastic. Oh, it feels cool. like you're you're there. Cool. So I recommend that. All right, thank well, you. Okay, so we're getting close to the end of our mm-hmm. podcast tonight. We didn't touch on like half of the things yeah. I wanted to touch on, <laughs> which means two. probably in your know, season two, some point, you know, later we will we will talk have a, a, a part two. Mm-hmm. And I want to give you guys and everyone listening a homework assignment because the big thing I really wanted to talk about, well, one of the big things I want to talk about. So there's a, a new show that we've been watching on Amazon Prime Video. It's, it's in their second season. I, I'm not sure how, what their plan is uh, to go forward or whatever, but so far we're my husband and I were nearly at the end of the first season watching it. And there's a whole second one to go. Right. It's called okay. upload. And from, I'll give you the, the trailer version. The trailer is uh, basically that's what happens after you die is you get uploaded oh. to a virtual reality oh. simulation. <laughs> yeah. Or as you die or like, so you're, you're you, but you're dead and you now live in VR. Uh, VR there's heaven. so much there uh, to talk about. Oh my yeah, yes. And they call it, they do call some aspect of it heaven. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the homework assignment is people need to watch this so we can talk about it because there is so much there. Now it's a comedy and it's kind of a dark, <laughs> funny comedy too. So it's not, not safe for kids, <laughs> not safe for kids at all. Um, very adult, but it's really, really good and really okay. worth talking about. I gotta watch it. Yeah. Because I have not so seen that's it everyone's yet. homework assignment. Okay. I'm I'm happy to do that. Okay. Well, before we completely close out, Steve, will you tell us a little bit about what we're gonna talk about next week? Next week episode I'm very excited about. Um there was a movie that came out in 2016, a fan fan fan-made film called Star Trek Horizon by Tommy Kraft. And when I first saw the posting on Facebook, the trailer for it, I said, I've got to get involved in this. So I sent money to him. And when I saw the movie, I just thought this was the most amazing film. So I've been in contact with Tommy through Facebook. He's a very nice gentleman. We've shared emails and so on. And so he has graciously said that he will be our first interviewee next week. So homework assignment, (laughs) and it will be posted at the bottom of this page, would please go to YouTube, please watch the movie so that we talk about it. When we ask Tommy questions about it, you'll have an understanding of the effort that one man made to make this movie. He is the writer, the director, the costumer, the special effects man. Every every scene in this movie is like the film Sky Captain and The World of Tomorrow. It was shot entirely in front of a blue screen. And the effort that he went through to make this movie is tremendous. And the quality of the film is, in my mind, superb. So It is so authentically enterprise. It's incredible. It really is. And, uh, and he composed this the music too, didn't he? That is correct. The entire soundtrack was written by him. So we're going to get, you know, it's one thing to be able to say, oh, uh, well, we all love Star Trek First Contact. And you could ask uh, Jonathan Frank, uh, Frax about it. 
but you're not going to get everything. Here's the man who did everything. So we have a number of questions I've written, but if you have the chance to watch it, then you'll be up to steam with us when we get into discussion about it next week with our very first guest, guest awesome. Mr. Tommy. Our guinea pig. Yes. <laughs> this is all homework. I don't mind. Oh, this is this good is homework. Fun homework. This is good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Be a sign. Yeah. We, we, we ask you to watch TV and watch movies. You know, that's, that's good homework. Yeah, so this is one specifically <laughs> for the audience to do besides, because we normally will sit down and we'll get, you know, from Adina or Chris or Brian, they'll say, hey, watch these episodes so we'll be ready to discuss them. And that is very helpful for me. But for the audience, um, go to the link and watch the movie. You'll be one of only 14, almost 15 million people who have witnessed. Yeah, it. definitely. All right. Thank you very much, Adina, for that. Nice. Well, I can't I can't wait to talk about that next week. So everybody. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. And, you know, when, you, when you're done with us today, say computer and program just, just to make sure, <laughs> okay? <laughs> but if you have any other questions or suggestions, email us at podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, we are Christian Fox, Steve Merkin, Brian Donahue, and I'm Adina Mignona. Live long and prosper. Thank you.